She's on what would probably be a dream trip for guys like us. Was she on a staycation? So she's off with a girlfriend of hers. Um, they went glamping at Mount Rushmore. I don't like that term. What is that? Yeah, glamping, glamorous yeah, like camping. That. Isn't that? Doesn't it sound? It's basically not camping. <laughs> well, so, so when you bring the TV. And no, the, no, 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 no. It's just a nice tent. Oh, like, what's that mean? Is it like a Harry Potter nice tent so where you go in of, and it's like think of uh, think of back when the English uh, raped and pillaged Africa. I can't. I don't. I wasn't like there. That. Like how is that big nice tent? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking, no, you're thinking bed. You're thinking like Arabian Nights, like sure. those kind yeah. of tents with yeah. the fluffy pillows. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm okay. I'd be the, I'd when be they're roughing it at Coachella, that so kind of style is glamorous yes. camping. Glamorous glamping. camping. But my wife, like, like for us, we'd be like, man, this is really nice. My wife though and her friend, they're like, it was cold and we had to light a fire. They That's chop camping. the wood for you. you they bring you the fire into your big tent, and it's a stove. They have like a metal your stove chin, with a your chimney. Tent has a chimney. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this so is how, roughing it. How was the shower? It wasn't as hot as I normally like. They didn't I had say to pull that, a did string. They? I had to pull a string to get the water to come out. And I'm like, well, for, but let's be fair though. I don't know how your wife is. I don't know. Do you, you have a girlfriend, fiance? fiance. Yeah. Congratulations. How long have you been engaged? Well, I was engaged months. for seven years. No, we've only yeah. been together for two years. I was engaged for about three weeks. Well, that's because you slip them past the goalie. Like, that's how that works. It was a shotgun wedding. Yeah. Well, kind of. Okay. Except I was the one holding the shotgun. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no. So my wife, whenever I go in the shower after my wife has been in there, it looks like somebody tried to fog for bugs. Like, it is so steamy. She likes that water hot. My yeah. wife likes that. Does your fiance like that? The same way. Why do they do that? And it's like, it reminds she's me like, of where they're get from. Get in the shower with me. And I'm like, no, you're going to burn me to yeah, death. Yeah. 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 It's magma. That's water. Yeah. 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 It's like know. an Icelandic volcano in here. Yeah. Why do Why do all of our wives do that? Because it reminds ladies? them of hell, where they're from. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Might be. So we haven't done this in in two months because um, we needed a break. I mean, obviously, it's not like oh, this is this is a, a just a just a huge source of income for us. So we were like, you know. He he had a bunch of shit to do. Dan had a bunch of shit to do, and I was like, I can't do this alone because you know. I don't do karaoke, but I'll do a band. Um, so, and you and I have been talking over the last two months, like just to sit down and chat because I find you like a really, really like intelligent, basically like theologian. And, you know, you're down some of the rabbit holes that I'm down oh, yeah, as far yeah. as like what, what, you know, truth is um, and what we haven't been told uh, all our lives. Yeah. Um, but you're also a brilliant artist. And and I love all of your art. I can't afford any of it. Me either. I couldn't. I couldn't afford. It. <laughs> How much does one of your pieces go for? Like eight grand. What? Yeah. I can't afford it. <laughs> and are you selling a lot? No. Okay. But it's it's uh, to me it's worth it. Like it's and and, and maybe we could, art how, is worth what it's worth. So how do you price that? Well, I have uh, two different pricing systems. I, I price lower for um, like commission works. And I price extremely high for my own work. So if you give me a picture of you and your wife, there is none of my creativity, none of my thought goes into that. I look at a picture, I paint it. I right. do that for seven, eight hundred dollars. Now for my own pieces, I have to come up with an idea, conceptualize a way to visualize it so that the viewer can kind of understand what I'm saying. Photograph it, find the models. And so there's more <clears throat> of me that goes into my actual art. And that's why I put a higher value on that. You're like buying my ideas. So to me, like, so your art is very like real life. It's I don't know what the term is in the realism. art world. Yeah, realism. Yeah, realism. Right. So a lot of the times, is it like you painting from a photo? Yeah, I always use photographs. Okay, so I'm lazy. Why not just take the photo? <laughs> yeah, you take the photo. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, here, this is. I'll blow this up for you. But that's the thing too. Like, you only see the art. You never see the photo. They look really different. The photo is just a reference. It's almost like the the difference in like in my in my world, it's like the difference between like film and digital. It's almost like film has like this breath to it, yeah. this organic thing to it that you just can't explain. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to digital, where it's 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 I don't know, man. It's, it's almost, almost like too realistic. It's almost it's like, soulless. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah, so there's no art to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think about like film, it's a mechanical process, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not like ones and zeros. Like right. there's there's a like you don't really need power to make well, it's, film. It's like listening to or it's like watching, you know, a, a band play on YouTube versus going to see them play live. Yeah. Like you actually the human element is there. 
So I don't think people understand what artists, how they, how artists make money. Right. Yeah. And so they don't. Yeah. Everyone just like, so artists, I, I found in my experience over like, you know, my whole life that like something about people who are t- artistic, I'm said autistic. Uh, everything looks like a square peg in a round hole. Um, it seems to me that a lot of people that are artistic don't understand the business side of it, like how to survive. Most of us don't. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Um, I think uh, there there's a lot of gatekeeping in the art world. Ooh, I this is interesting. Statistics okay. like years ago that there is, I mean, there's literally millions of artists, but there's like 0.01% of people who are career artists who live solely from producing and selling art. It's very, very small. When portion. you say gatekeeping, is that like a person? Uh, institutions. So, Oh, tell me about this. Cause this is like, this is like, it, it seems like it's pervasive. Like yeah. in every industry that like there's these well, yeah galleries and curators get paid when they sell pieces too. So these, these institutions can choose who they deem um, marketable and only focus on them. And if you're, if, if they don't, if the, if the galleries and the museums and the curators don't like your art, you're not getting into the game. What if they don't like you? It doesn't You're not matter. getting in the game. It doesn't matter if they don't see. I always you. found. Do you ever like you go so, so like in your business? Like you go around to like all these hoity-toity things to to buy yeah, yeah. to buy stuff for your for your business. Yeah, right. And I've and I've, I even when I was a kid, I was like, you know, it's really strange to me that like why isn't why are we told what is good and what is bad as far as like sight, sound, and feeling? Yeah. Right. I never understood that. Where I'm like, it's just a bunch of douchebags in Manhattan. Who are saying this is this is art? Yeah, I, I forgot the artist's name, but um, he produced this really long canvas. It's probably fourteen feet long. It's like really long, uh, probably about seven feet high. The whole entire canvas is blue, a dark shade of blue. To the left side, not all the way to the edge, there's a white stripe going down, and that's the painting. It's it's like worth six, seven million dollars. How does that happen? And because different institutions tell you that this art is is worth this much could it also be money laundering <laughs> i think the nfts I mean, like, were absolutely money laundering oh, that that's what's going on i'm pretty sure art, yeah. art is the biggest money laundering scheme in the world yeah. it is the number one way that people launder money or or move money bribes all that like, see but that's the isn't that the fucked up thing where it's like you as like you know you and people who actually give a damn about art like you just want to make a living where other people are like yo I know this guy whose dad might be the president. Right. And he's he's doing finger paints mm-hmm. and they're selling for 800 grand or uh, you know what I mean? You got to invest in it. Uh-huh. I don't understand conceptually like like in the last few years I've just I've just my whole life is now like I, nothing makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, and the more we learn the more we realize we don't really understand Anything. a lot of these systems. Yeah. And I still don't don't have like a full grasp on. I watched this one documentary called The Price of Everything and it's they took Basquiat as an example where, you know, while he was alive, he sold a painting for 36 grand. And then the owner of that painting sold it for like a half a mil. And then, mm. then the next owner sold it for like $4 million. And now some of his art is worth like 30, yeah. 40 million because that's what the institutions deem it as where originally he only sold it for $36,000. I have a friend in Scranton who has a Basquiat in his apartment. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I know one guy who said, um, I did a show with him. I can't call his name right now, but he said it. Um, Basquiat gate gifted him a little drawing. Really? Yeah. He sold it off too early though. He sold it for a couple grand right before his name started to peak into like the millions. Yeah. And he's like, Oh God damn he's it. Like, damn, I should have held on. I think a little Van Gogh died like, of poverty yeah like, why so like it's not new it's i mean it's your crazy. whole your whole adult life has been involved in art my, correct almost my entire life yeah yeah so at what point were you did you realize like all this gatekeeper shit like were you like idealistic when you started doing it were you like oh man like i'm gonna like i see a lot of musicians and actors and stuff and you know even fucking podcast people yeah. who are like we're gonna be billionaires and i'm like dude you don't you don't play the game, man. No. Like, you know, so like at what point were you like, where did it go from idealism to like, what a kick in the nuts? 
um very early on oh you, <laughs> you, you got this early very, very early on yeah uh, yeah what's what killed your soul so uh i just picked up the the, the craft of uh oil painting like in my mid late 20s out of boredom sheer boredom i did a couple of pieces like a new challenge yeah because like i said i've always been that art kid but for like my late teens and early 20s i was just doing a lot of fucking off and dumb shit and i really didn't produce any art for almost a decade like the golden years where i were in my prime i should have been coming up with concepts and ideas and making art i was just knocking around in the streets doing dumb shit and so like what's dumb shit doing hood rat stuff with yeah friends. hood rat stuff with my friends man. what's hood rat stuff smoking with did cigarettes you never, and driving without a kid? license you know? smoking cigarettes <laughs> driving without a license <laughs> we all kind of did There's that though at that age kid. i mean that's kind of what you do at that time you, yeah, yeah if we all went back in time we're like oh yeah. i fucked off too much like when i was 20 to 24 just in the bars fucking trying to be in a band to be famous like you know i should have been doing something better with my life at that time yeah just and i'd be, be in a better focused. place now yeah yeah but um i don't know like I, once i picked up the craft and i well wait a second you were doing you were you were, you were driving around without a license smoking cigarettes <laughs> smoking cigarettes what, man what was your brand my brand yeah what were you smoking uh Please don't say uh, camel wide okay thank god camel wides yeah yeah Wow. You never had those? I knew I liked you. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. So at what point were you like, I got to stop fucking around? Uh, there was just one day I was just chilling by myself and um, literally couldn't think of anything to do. I had, I had my own crib. I had a car. I had a job. I had like females I could mess with. I had games and what do you homies. Mean, like, what do you mean females? You, but, like you can go to like see a show? You had a Rolodex. <laughs> oh, you know, I had, a, yeah, had, had, a, had some female friends. But like when I'm sitting there on a Saturday, like, I need something to do. And, I, and nothing was like jumping to me. Didn't want to hang with anybody. Didn't want to like chill with girls or do nothing. I, and then I was like, you know what? I might paint something. Yeah. And literally had no supplies in my house. I, Wait, you had never painted before that? I had painted okay. before. Like I had a, my high school teacher was Got really it. good. And she taught me a lot of stuff. But um, like with no art supplies, I just went to the store and just grabbed a canvas and like a Bob Ross paint set and came back home. And, and then made happy little trees. No, I painted Afro Samurai the first time. Oh, what? really? What? That was the first painting I did was a little painting of Afro Samurai. <laughs> Is that, that a real person or character that I just don't know? It's a cartoon, right? Yeah, it's a cartoon. Oh, yeah. it's, um, it used to be on Adult Swim. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, was it Sam Jackson? Samuel yeah. L. Yeah. Jackson and Wu-Tang did the soundtrack. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Yo, yeah, you don't know this? No. Ass, yo. Yeah, so that, okay, I got to find it's this. It's an anime. It's not, it's not like no little kid stuff. It's like No, it's real. like, it's not, it's it's adult. And uh, It's adult as shit. He's kind of psychopath, like a psychopath because he has ninja ninja who is like this spirit guy yeah he, ninja ninja just sits around and smoke weed all the time but nobody can hear him or see him but afro <laughs> I think it's they're making a movie it's just like it. jiminy cricket it's yeah, like that's yeah. who it is <clears throat> it's a whole crazy i story. mean yeah not no yeah but that's not what it that's not what it, what the cartoon looks like not at all wow so when you did that right out of out of like bored did you like hit the end of the internet and you're like all right i gotta go do something yeah, else well basically yeah and and uh painted a couple pictures and i'm like i might do this you know just to have something to do and then um a buddy of mine i knew he had like a, a loft apartment he would throw like uh grunge band concerts and like heavy metal concerts in the bottom of uh the building and then one day he was like i might do like a little art get together man i know you be painting sometimes get some guys and do like a little show and i hung some art in there and a lot of people were giving me good feedback and i was like okay I might be able to, you know, do something with this. And then I started trying to think of ideas like, what kind of art can I make that would sell that people would buy? Um, from South Carolina, people like um, like tractors and like <laughs> farmlands, landscapes, and yeah. the Gamecocks. They love roosters and stuff with chickens. And oh, shit. can I show you my can I show you my my belt buckle? Oh, sure, sweet sure. Jesus! Oh my God, he's been waiting on this uh -huh. cocky. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know they're going to change the name from Gamecocks to something else? No, game vaginas. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they're changing the name. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's I think true. there was a whole story about the owners of the uh, mascot of the school and the seller. The new owners didn't want to keep the name of it cocky or something. So, yeah, there's a whole thing on the Internet. And yeah. People submitted like all these funny names for it. Do you think it's it's yeah. cliche, though? Like being from South Carolina, you're like, oh, tractors. Kind this of, seems like it would what, sell. It, that's what people like. Yeah, that's what people really. Like so like your early art is is tractors and landscapes of fucking cornfields and shit like Basically. that. And are you shitting me? Gamecocks? No. no. 
And so I started selling a couple of pieces and I'm like, you gotta sell. I was like, if I get real good, I'm fucking famous. I'll be a goddamn millionaire. <laughs> I'll be the best tractor artist ever. I swear. And then like uh really trying to get into to more um bigger galleries and stuff, it just it wasn't working. The people weren't like acknowledging my art. And then I, I kind of understood, like I was talking to this one guy who's um doing art too, but he got he caught excuse me. He graduated from college, uh, from art school. And it seems like if you are a good artist and you do have an alma mater, they try to push their students harder uh, and say, look what we produce. Look at this guy that yeah. we produce. Yeah, like bragging train. rights. Exactly. Yeah. So You know why? Because that allows them to fundraise. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a whole loop. And so if you have a, a good art school or university that you went to, that can propel you into a bigger arena. I never went to school, so I didn't have that advantage. And then I never thought of that. Oh, yeah, man. That's huge. Yeah, I, I, that, that's got to be a huge advantage. It, it definitely. And just have an art us, degree. If you give us your money, we'll promote you after. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then we'll ask you for more money once you're rich and famous. And if you're really good, they're going to go yeah. hardcore for you. It's like, look, we've created this this great artist. And, yeah. Um, it, you will get into like a, a bigger circle just by having the talent in a good school backing you. So I didn't have that. And I was basically like starting over from scratch, trying to train myself how to paint. And so I was just like, I felt like I was behind the curveball where I said those 10 years where I was, wasn't doing anything. I could have been like training myself. Your up. Craft. Yeah, exactly. But now it's just like, uh, I've been doing it for so long. I see that there is money in it. I can sell more commissions than my own personal pieces, but it's not about the money anymore for me. I already realized that I just, Keep a regular job. Yeah. I, I live kind of comfortably and my art just is my passion now. And so if a millionaire buys one of my paintings and I gain this recognition, that's great. But if if nobody ever like really recognizes me on a like a, a national or like international scale, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. But does that like it's so it seems like you, you mentioned gatekeepers before and it seems like. Like I used to, I used to live in LA, right? So, and I was really fortunate because I, you know, every now and again, you would hang out with people who were like, oh, they're, they're big deals. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but I found my, I found it to be like a vapid experience. Like it was, it was a hollow experience, like hanging out with a lot of these people who were, uh, I guess, gatekeepers. So, I mean, it's one of those things where like, as an artist, is that the selling your soul? Like where, where you end up like being a part of this club and you kind of never, and the club is always shit on you your whole life. Yeah. And now you're, now you're part of it and you're like, I don't want to be part of this. Just club. a, you know, a, a piece of production now and you have to pro keep producing a certain type of art to stay relevant. You know, like, um, so like if you, if you try to, so in other words, like if you try to like, uh, evolve as an artist, they're going to stop. People don't like that. So keep making the Campbell soup cans. Yep. Isn't that fucked? And you change too much, you don't like it. Um, what was it? Um, Bob Dylan when he started using electric guitar. Yeah, yeah, the, the night like, the music. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real uh -huh. music. I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to do something different. But people don't like that. So if you want to stay relevant, keep producing what you're producing. We'll keep your name in there. And mostly everything is not what you know; it's who you know. You that know? is and, so. And art is big money. There is big money Huge in art. Money. You know, like you hear these auctions, $70 million for the matches. My favorite was the one where Hunter somebody, Biden's macaroni necklace. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I loved the one where somebody bought the Banksy and then it immediately it shredded. Shredder. It was yeah. perfect. It was amazing. And now it's worth more. Now it's worth like triple. Isn't yeah. that fucking insane? Yeah. But because, see, that's that's the passion in it. Like, yeah, that is some real creative shit. And that's probably one of the, the most well-known incidents in the art world but for him to even conceive of that like to sit down and think of that shit like it's a bit anarchistic don't you think it's a bit like his, all of, that's his what art makes is. it what it is yeah, though like, all of his art is everything yeah. he does is is fuck the system yeah but that's the, it, okay so here's the weird thing about Banksy. he's like fuck all y'all but all y'all want my shit and he's he still make millions off of this shit and whoever I forgot what their original bid was, but it was it was up into the millions already. Absolutely, three million, like I think three, it was like two point three, three point something. something too. Yeah, and then so fuck you in your money. <laughs> but it makes it it's so weird. It's it's almost like a, it's almost like a. I would want it more after that. 
because you know. now it's not just the Banksy; it's the Banksy that everybody's talking about. Yep. Now it went from three million to fifty million like overnight. Is it? But isn't it? I always try to understand human psychology. But but then at the same time, not to cut you off, he you just came, did, Travis. I'm thanks. Sorry. He came to America myself. for a couple months. He chilled in New York on the corner. Did you see, he was selling and selling selling paintings for sixty bucks, original yeah. art for sixty bucks. Nobody. He's he said he made like a couple a couple dollars because nobody knew who he was because he hardly ever shows his face. And like he had like simple stencils, but it was still an original Bansky for like sixty, seventy dollars. Well, did you ever see? Did you ever see the video? I forget. Was it Yo-Yo Ma or somebody like that? Where they went into like the train the station, subway, the and subway, nobody and nobody paid, paid attention. attention to him. And then they had they played at the, the opera the next that night. night. <laughs> yeah, to a sold out crowd. Of but that's like, I guess that's my question is like, art is worth what it's worth. Yeah, like your painting might be worth six thousand dollars, but. To me, if it's worth a thousand dollars, but to somebody else, it might be worth thirty thousand dollars. It's all where it's, it's at. like it, it. It really is. It's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. So how do you how do you value it? I value my art by honestly, all my shit is like discount. Like when even I say, even at a high price, it's at, I I, I eight, believe you at eight grand. That's like super discount. What I want for my art is Basquiat prices sixty thousand. So, but how, like, in other words, like how do like your peers, right? Mm -hmm. So other artists that you, I hope that you talk to artists, mm -hmm. <laughs> do, is it, is it okay? Time and material or is it? It's all, it's all about the concept and idea. And that's what, like, I, I follow this, this one real famous international artist his name, um, Fahamu Peku. And come see, again. <laughs> what? Fahamu Peku. Yeah, you got it. Oh, I, okay, good. And it, so, where's he from? He's from the same town I'm from in Hartsville, South Carolina. Get the fuck. Same same town and everything. It's okay. weird. Uh, he's a little bit older than I am. So by the time I got in high school, he already graduated and moved to uh, Atlanta and went to art school there. Mm -hmm. Art school. That's. And yeah. now he's like this real famous international artist. But um, I've seen his art in person. And technically, like just the skill wise, we're even maybe I, I think my technical skill may be a little bit better than his. Objectively. Yeah. yeah. Object because he uses uh, acrylic paints. I use oil paint. So it's a different medium, different format. But um, like some of his smaller pieces are 30 grand. What? There's easy. Yeah, the, 30 that, grand. Do you know, Hunt Sloanum. His little bunnies sell for $8,000. Yeah, dude. A little teeny bunny paint. What Hunts do? Oh, yeah. yeah. Eight grand. Yeah, and it's it's basically it's one brush stroke, like it's one move of bunny, and so it's it's not like the the technicality. Yeah, it's, it's you're, you're paying for the name who who you are. So it's like the Louis Vuitton of. Yep. I it's kind of like with guitars. Like a Gibson and Epiphone are the same company. There's minimal differences between the two guitars, but you will pay double to triple for a Gibson mm -hmm. than you will an Epiphone. I won't because I don't know what that means. Um, because I sang in a band. The, the technical stuff. Damn, I was like, do you I know don't what I'm talking about. about? Well, Epiphones are made in Korea. Oh, here we go. They oh, are? is that the difference? Well, that's the thing. I think they're made in different places. So, like, you could get well, a know. Fender, like you could get a U.S. Fender, like a Strat that's made in America. Yeah, or you could get a Mexican Strat. <laughs> what? It's just the the quality of the material is a little bit lesser, and that's how they bring the prices down. There you but go. Still, you know, made by slave children or, or whatever. I mean, is it sonically equivalent? They have different sounds because they have different electronics in it and everything. Well, I mean, that's I the, the wood. That's, if the wood is different, it's going to have a different sound. See, now, like, to, like all of this is fascinating to me because right now I'm at the point where, like, I'm just like, you know, two months off. I'm now like deeper into crazy shit. And that's what happens when you spend too much time. By yourself. I know. I know. I should pick up acrylic. It's gotten bad. And no, I mean, but your like, friends don't really help you either. No, no. You're all pieces of shit. I see um, them all the weirdest yep, memes. Yep. I love them though, Travis. I love them. I, I get shit from Travis every day. Something crazy every day. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Some of it's like, some of it's really, really funny. And some of it's really like, you know, the CNC Music Factory things that make you go, hmm. You know what I mean? Like a, a lot of it is, is it, but it's, but it's like everything you, you send to me to some degree is like thought provoking. Yeah. In some, and then I'm just like, hey, watch this guy throw a pizza out a window onto a woman's face it's or funny. something. We need funny stuff. Yeah, we need to laugh. Why has everybody forgot to laugh? I don't know, man. Do you notice that? Yeah. Like everybody's too goddamn serious right now. Yeah. I know it's like uh, just speaking to strangers walking down the street. Hey, motherfuckers don't say hello or hi or hey or anything. Nothing. Like, just like, mm. 
That's more of a northern thing, though. I know. That's, that's yeah, my buddy's from too. Georgia. He's like, yeah. man, up here, all you guys are just like miserable. Yeah. yeah. I had her when I was down south. I, I met a girl from New Jersey and she says she was in a grocery store and just walked through the parking lot. She's like, two people spoke to me like, hey. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, you, speak you, see, you say hello. Yeah. People just say hello when they see you. My, my wife thought I was from another planet when we first met. Because she's from New Jersey. I'm from right outside of Nashville. You keep it quiet. And I, I, I just like talking to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, saying sir and ma'am. Calling random girls at the, you know, Wendy's hey, drive through hey. honey. She's like, why are you talking to her like that? Yeah. Is this, there's, some, there's something to be said about like uh, Southern hospitality is a real it's thing. A, it's a real thing. It really is. Yeah. And you grew up your whole life down there. My, yeah. You're like your childhood the, at least. The most important years. Yeah. From zero to seven. No, eight to. That's why you're a better eight person. To 18. Where were you before that? Uh, in Philadelphia. Like Will Smith? Mm-hmm. Was it West Philadelphia? Southwest. Oh. 58th and Baltimore. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, Philadelphia. What do you think about Philadelphia now? I would never, ever go back to that city. It's a shit. It is a shitty place. Yeah. Was it a shitty place then? It was real bad. I actually. So it was real bad when you were a kid. It was from um, my youngest memories. It was bad then. And then I moved to South Carolina, grew up. And when I left South Carolina, I went back to Philly when I was like 18, 19. And it was a shitty place then. And it's gotten progressively worse. Yeah. So that's like late 90s ish, right? 90. Yeah. 99, 2000. Yeah. What do you what do you think? So here's another thing that I'm fascinated about. Right. So. Problems over time. Right. You know, like if I don't, this is the first thing that came to my mind. But if you think about like, a, you know, like a marriage that like breaks up, right? Probably the signs were there a long time ago about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And somebody who can objectively look at like, you know, 35,000 foot view in a relationship on a linear timeline can go. Here's where the here's where some of the moments were that you had an opportunity to course correct and you didn't. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened in Philly? Like, what do you think is going on there? I think because um, I mean you grew up there and you went back there. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the northern cities on the east coast they are still suffering from the crack epidemic. You think crack still pervade? Yeah, but it's, in a different form. Exactly. Is uh, or the that, ripple uh, effect of it? Yeah, the addiction um, to opiates and barbiturates and all these other stimulants. It they hit those big cities really hard like there's pockets in new york that are just still terrible pockets in new jersey that's still terrible you know pockets in in pa like philadelphia it's just like they've never recovered fully from that shit and like i go there and like talking to one of my homies his cousin just got locked up from crack i'm like people still smoke crack like it's yeah 2022 yeah did we learn our lessons exactly like there's a lot of different stuff you're still selling crack and they're like and it's not as bad as it was, but but it's it's morphed into something, yeah, arguably worse. And now it's fentanyl and heroin and all these pills, and fentanyl, and, yeah, and, and, and but the addiction is still there. Like they never really recovered from that that hard hit in like the late seventies and eighties when I was born. Like yeah. my mother was an addict. Um, I have some other family members that are addicts, and that generation, like it was just tough. Well, so, we, I'm, sorry. I'm gonna get your opinion on something. I actually just recently heard a politician suggest that in America, we should institute the death penalty for drug dealers, like not weed, but like the fentanyl, the heavy stuff. That's but not like the, the corner dealer, like yeah. the one who gets it to the corner dealer. Right. Like death penalty, because and the, the rationale was that uh, over the is, life over the lifespan of it. Yeah. This is yeah. like like FBI, CDC statistics. It was over the lifespan of a drug dealer. He'll be responsible or she were equal opportunity with our drug dealers uh, <laughs> will be responsible for the lives of 500 people. That's crazy. Like so, the death of 500 people. Yeah, so therefore, we will institute the death penalty for drug dealers. What is your thought on that? Not for doing, not for you know possession, but now before you answer that, I would like to put this little caveat on it. At the beginning, if 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 in the Harry Potter world where that happens, right? In the beginning, I think that people are looking at it as a prevent a future preventative. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it'll be successful, but the point they're looking at it is from uh, is from like it like so my maybe I don't want to say this ah maybe I'll say it I my my wife has a relative who um is is 
a good, I think at the core, a good person mm-hmm. just made bad mistakes. Is your wife's relative her husband? No, because <laughs> I'm here and not in jail. <laughs> um, but so so the chart. What happened was is she she went and picked up a thing and dropped a thing off. Mm-hmm. What happened is is that thing that she picked up and dropped off, even though she was the middle person. It was the charge was de- uh, a delivery resulting in death, mm. right? So, and I always had a problem with it because I'm like, this is just a broken person who did a, a, a stupid thing. Um, the where it comes from, the source of it, that's who we should be going after. And I don't, I don't. That should be the person who gets charged with that. You know, I don't. So, my I guess the point. The way I perceived that comment about death penalty for drug dealers was not people that I'm related to what they went to. It's it's more down the line. Oh, I, I understand that. Like, like I say, I mean, they're never going to they're never going <clears> to <throat> they're never going to they're never going to put the CEO of Pfizer on trial for killing 60,000 people Thanks. for for Paxlovid or not Paxlovid. What was that? What was that one medication? It, it killed it killed 60,000 Americans. Uh covid vaccine no 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 No. that's gonna be Uh, much higher Um, (laughs) it was it was it was uh it was like a heart medication or something like that like i forget what i forget if you say the name damn will you look it up it was it it, it was i think it was the biggest it was the biggest uh uh pfizer settlement i think it was like four billion dollars oh wow but they have a different a whole different court for uh yeah the vaccine injury yeah. uh yeah. what was that 1986 yeah so okay playing the same so here's yeah like, here's did you ever hear this did you ever hear this whole this whole shit about like how how like the the uh it's the it's the vaccine injury fund something like that mm-hmm. so in the 80s the the pharmaceutical companies were were telling the government like hey we're gonna stop making vaccines we're getting sued left and right we're just gonna stop making them because the cost benefit analysis is terrible Right. So it's basically it's like you have a product that is killing people and you're you're spending so much money in litigation that it's just like just get rid of the product and you won't have to vaccinate anymore. The United States government gets involved and they said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. What we'll do is we'll create a vaccine injury fund and then the taxpayers will pay the settlements. So but so but the process to get there is you have to sue like if you're vaccine injured. You can't sue the pharmaceutical companies. You have to sue the United States government. What? You didn't know this? It's a weird process. I knew of it. I didn't know the process. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So so and 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 it's like one in a thousand actually get to the court, or one in a hundred, something like that. It's really crazy. And the vaccine injury fund has billions of dollars in it, mm-hmm. billions of taxpayer dollars wow. to run interference or cover for Lord. the pharmaceutical industry. Yep. And we pay for that. It was the it was I forget the name wow. of the act. Did you find that wow. that settlement? Yeah. <clears throat> did you not look it up? I did. I could only find one about fraud, though. That's I think that's it, because it would because they lied about what what the drug was. It was a big Pfizer thing. No, it was billions. That's not it. Look it up. Look it up. It's Pfizer. Um Pfizer settlement largest Pfizer largest settlement in history or something like that. Mm. I think that's what it was. And you'll remember this drug. You'll remember it. I hope. Hey, I hit stop on the record and I hit record again. Because you're an idiot. Yeah. So just so you know, I guess there's two files there now. Well, how long did it unstop for? Like uh, two seconds, like one second. (laughs) This is going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be like two seconds. Hey, welcome back, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I and I knew this stuff. I knew this stuff coming into like 2020. I knew that like I didn't know I I didn't know like totally about it, but I remember like hearing whispers of like, oh yeah, you can't sue you can't sue the pharmaceutical Not directly. Correct. No. Because when I didn't because know that. You yeah, you can't. You can't, especially for vaccines. Now, well, then, other products are different. Well, then and you can't have a mandate. Yeah, but vaccines. that was but that was the other thing that like threw me for a loop when they when I don't know if you remember this, but I'm sure you paid attention to it was when they were talking about the vaccines. One of the things that like they passed through on like a Friday night was that uh, the pharmaceutical companies would be uh, held harmless for liability for everything that happened, which I was like, that's a terrible thing because that's like going up to Sam's and you're getting the they give you the, the samples 
and you're not and they're not responsible for like making yeah, you ill. Yeah, if you're allergic or you get sick off of it, hey, it was free sale. Yeah, you took it. You decided to do that. We told you. <sighs> See, so so, so it's so it's so it's so like so when you think about this stuff, like when you think about like what what they do that we don't know about and like the crack ep- ep- epidemic like where did the crack epidemic come from like when you start really like figuring out like how that became pervasive there's some pretty shady shit that went on for that to happen well it was um not um noriega <laughs> we yeah, was it noriega it was in the 80s yeah so yeah uh, my granddad knew him that sounds terrifying wow your granddad knew Manuel Noriega. Yeah, he used to fly him guns. But um, yeah. So doing that, <laughs> see, this shit's real. It happens. It's real life. Apparently, Mike is a fucking descendant of a gun runner. But trying to take Noriega out, we just took over his. Yeah, drug. now the CIA just does yeah, it. Yeah, we just the CIA just took over his drug operation, yeah. and it's a a part of American economy. We can boost the economy if we bring the drugs in, and at, at the same time destabilize a lot of inner city cultures. And so they were flying that shit in firsthand. And um, like you say, taking out the people who bring the stuff in because crack was all in the in the hoods, but you don't have any um, processing plants in there to, to take the coca leaf and actually right. turn it into well, the cocaine. Like nobody in the hood is is, is processing. Yeah, there's coca- not warehouses. Yeah, from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's not warehouses where like barefoot people are walking on, on the, are pressing the coca leaves. No, they're, yeah. they're not. And so... So this whole the whole whole system of, of them even starting the, the war on drugs was like a, a two sides of the same coin. So they bring yeah. the drugs in. And so that's one market. And then you have a war on drugs and that's a whole nother market. And so yeah, this to, to now increase budgets for law enforcement and fight some and fight an enemy that pro- you created. Problem, reaction, solution. Where did you learn that? Where'd you problem, reaction, solution? Uh, David Icke. Are you a David Icke guy? I, I like to him. some degree. Yeah, to some degree. I don't agree with a lot of what he says. You but shouldn't. I yeah, I agree with a, a lot of stuff he does say. So, are you familiar with David Icke? A little bit, just a minute about. Yeah, problem reaction solution. You cause a problem, you get the public to react to the problem, and then you give the solution that you already had planned out to start with. That just makes so much sense after the past two and a half years. Well, they've been doing it throughout history. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not no, it's something. Well, you always need a new. reason to go to war. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's not even just the, the, the war. burning of the Reichstag. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, allowing uh, Pearl Harbor to happen. Yeah. Allowing 9-11 to happen. Gulf of Tonkin. Problem, the above. reaction, solution. Yep. So why? So, so it's especially in like those, those, those communities in Philadelphia. Right. So I, the question, like I, I ask myself a lot, and this is why it's so awesome that like, cause you're, that you're an artist is that you look, I think that a lot of artists uh, look at the world through uh, a lens that most, you know, blue collar people don't look through it because because you're trying to find the beauty or the torture in a lot of things. So sometimes it's, it's very eye opening to like, oh, what did crack do? So I think that you're because you're an artist, you have a unique perspective on it that isn't like this mainstream um thought process processes where, where it's like look no let's take all the emotion out of it here's what happened you know so when you look i think so i i'm, I'm gonna ask like the question i asked myself about the crack ep- epidemic is like why like why would why would the government do something like that and then and then like is it so like the, the politics of it it's like you start to campaign on fixing the problem that you know was created to fix the problem mm-hmm. well because a destabilized community is a controllable community yeah do you think that's yeah so that's uh the crack epidemic you know late seven late 70s early 80s that came right after the civil rights movement um and right on the tailgate of the civil rights movement was the black panthers and a lot of other organizations that were still trying to unify these communities and keep everything together and things were looking positive for a while. And so we got to, once again, keep something in the mix so that we can maintain the control over these people. Do you think if that like, OK, let's let's fictionalize this for a second. Right. Let's say crack didn't happen. 
where where would those communities be if crack didn't happen? Or do you think they'll find something else to to screw them over? Like what happens in the Black Mirror world where crack was never introduced to 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 the cities? Uh, the NBA would be all white. <laughs> do you think so? And there would be way more black doctors and lawyers and engineers. <laughs> Holy shit. I never thought about it that way. Who who owns the NBA? Mostly a lot of white and Jewish guys. And that would be would have maintained the sport once again. They started letting African-American players in for control and using them as like pawns and puppets. But um, if we if, if we would have maintained a more stable community throughout the 60s, 70s and 80s, it was on a very like progressive swing for a long time. And I think crack really well, not like, like progressive, but progress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to I don't want to even though maybe that. That's so like progressive. Yeah, that's just that's. <laughs> Perked your burden. Um, <laughs> I I think about it stuff like that laugh. a lot. I think about stuff where it's like, what what could have been? Yeah. What was the thing? Because one I of my things is like, what if Malcolm X and Dr. King weren't assassinated? Like, what influence would they have had on that next generation? And what type of leaders would they have been able to produce? And then that generation would have been a generation to teach me. But they cut that short but wait so but but so malcolm x right he had like a change of heart at some point almost, right almost a 180 yeah yeah can you explain can you explain that well like what was his point of view prior to that change of heart and what was his change of heart what did it turn into um x being a part of the black muslims were um with elijah muhammad and those guys they were basically separatists and they wanted a nation within a nation. And um, they kind of actually have achieved that because the nation of Islam really supports itself. They have their own school system, their own hospital system without any government subsidies or funding or anything. So they they wanted to create a nation within the nation. And um, but he found out like a, a lot of um, negative things going on with the leader of the organization uh, from primarily with uh, like taking underage girls as his wives and like. doing. Oh, yeah, it got real weird. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. a lot of shady stuff with the money and everything. So they tried to silence him. So it was corrupt, it, very corrupt at the core, you know. Um, and so once they tried to silence X, he like left the organization and tried they lay with themselves. But what they, okay, but what did they do to try to silence them? What they, were some of the things that they did? Who was trying to silence them? That's no, no, no. I want to know what they did, and that'll also, lead us to Oh, who well, well yeah. the leader himself, Elijah Muhammad, they basically, they have, like, a structure of, like, of like government. And- well, before he was excommunicated, they, they just basically, the Nation of Islam themselves put a gag order on him and said, because he was so outspoken at a time, and his leader told him, you, you don't talk to the media. You don't talk to the news. You don't say anything until we tell you. And for context, his popularity was getting up to Elijah Muhammad or surpassing him. That, and that's that he was became the, the face of the organization. Yeah, yeah. And that and that was the major issue that people were listening to him more than to the teacher. And so um, they were afraid that he was going to have like a large portion of the group switch over to where he was headed. And so um, that's where the assassination came in but before, prior to that when he when he left he actually went to mecca and and so he went to the middle east yeah and yeah. so he didn't want to be a black muslim anymore he wanted to be a muslim you know and and try to practice the faith and religion you know the regular normal way and not trying to be a segment of the religion and in the book he says and when i was in mecca I saw people who you would consider European with blonde hair and blue eyes who loved me like my brother. And that's when I knew there was no difference between men, you know. And when he came back, that's when he started trying to reach out to Dr. King and see if they can merge their two movements. Because he says it's not because you're a Muslim and you're a Christian and you're a Catholic. That's not the reason we're being oppressed. We're being oppressed for other reasons. And we need to focus on those reasons and not just the religious aspects that, that kind of separate our ideologies. 
you know, uh, because we're all just men. We're just men. Yeah. Well, and and a little while after that, they got them. Well, and they well, had, but it was revolutionary to, though, because like we've said this and it's been interesting as we've done this with the podcast, like we've said it over and over and over. It's not white. It's not black. It's not Christian. It's not Muslim. It's not, you know, male, female, Republican, Democrat. It's the haves and the have nots. And that's what it is. And as soon as the have nots start to come together, can't have that. No, because, so, you know, it's like it's it, it, I think it's hilarious. Like, you know, even just as we're not hilarious, but like we're talking here now, uh, it's like, oh, Black communities are starting to get stronger. Like things are happening. There's progress being made. Can't have that. Here's some crack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and, here's some some gangster rap music. Yeah, and they feed it in there, yeah. and then bring back in the, the and level. Here of we are. Here we are. Twenty, thirty years later, and look what we've got. You know, it's like things are starting to go well. We can't have that. We gotta bring it down. Yeah. You know, things across the globe are starting to go real well. We can't, can't have that. that. We gotta let some of that that bat COVID out of the lab. Mm-hmm. Is that what was? I, I never looked at it like you oh, know. That's oh, oh, things are going good across the globe. Let's yeah. let's stick a let's put sand in the fucking gas tank of all of this. Well, we always got to have uh, some type of fear on every level, and especially on the global level. But it's hard to scare the entire globe. So you have to have these epidemics and and rumors of war constantly. We were also living in a very like uh, confident time through most of our lives like we growing up like usa number one like we're unstoppable so the society itself is becoming more confident in itself also so not everybody all around so the government needs to kind of bring everybody back down wait wait, you have to you have to bring people down from being confident well yeah because if you're confident then you're not going to follow okay like in my in my head i'm like i'm like we are not free like in my head, none. I'm like, oh, none of us are. We're not. We're we're probably one of the freest nations, like on paper. Yeah, but, theoretically. Yeah, and we have a lot of other like niceties that other nations, since we we're first world, but nobody's really free. <laughs> nobody's free. Yeah. When did you realize that? Um, the first time I figured out that uh, the Federal Reserve wasn't a part of the government. I think I was like 16 or 17. I was reading some stuff and uh, I think I was listening to some Alex Jones. And <laughs> can we talk about fucking Alex Nostradamus Jones for a second? <laughs> he gets a, Once again, he gets a lot of stuff wrong, but he gets a lot of stuff right. He gets He's a, right like, significantly I, more often. Than I he don't, gets a lot of stuff right. We have to stop vilifying people for the one thing they said wrong. Yeah. The one or two things. It's like if you look at the totality of like, so like you, right? me like if you and i have a conversation we talk about some crazy fucking shit like there's probably some stuff where you're like mark's totally wrong about that right but i still like the guy like most of the time he's right you know he's not he's not trying to be like a mean motherfucker and he's not trying to hurt anybody you know but there are some things that like people get wrong because we're not gods we're not and we're all ignorant of something you know can't know everything so that'd be a fun game for later dan find something we disagree on It's usually women. Usually that's the thing where it's like we all got to type. But so when did you start listening to Alex Jones? Like, because uh, you listen, you probably started listening to him when people were like, ah, he's kind of funny. Yeah. Like I was like 17, 18, I think. It's like mid to late 90s. Some of his earlier. Well, no, 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 no. I had he was be, on like public access. Yeah, no, I had then, to be older than that. I was in I was in my 20s. And um, the first time. I was listening to somebody else before that. I had to be like in my my early early twenties, and I mentioned uh, Jordan Maxwell to somebody, and then the guy is like, "You ever heard of Alex Jones?" And I'm like, "Nah." And so he gave me this little DVD with um, Alex Jones was like, "Oh, because he used to sell DVDs." Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was going around like that. Oh nas- yeah, man, he was going around the national park saying how. Um, what it was uh, turning all the frogs gay the u.n or somebody was like taking control over the the national parks in america yeah and uh he was just trying to expose it saying that we don't america doesn't really own this land in in america because now it's it's been given over to the u.n for like some uh world reserve properties or it was some weird stuff oh like almost like a like a nature preserve under the guise of like a nature preserve yeah but it was it was run by the UN. He is like technically America doesn't even own this anymore. He's he's like 
you see how we're just selling out to the globalists even back then i was like this guy's fucking crazy i've never heard this before <laughs> yeah so this is like the late 90s yeah. right you were listening yeah. to him yeah because i knew of him back then too i did it you didn't know of alex jones back no. then he was he had like this one little room with the blue sheet behind him and it was like some really i wasn't aware of him until probably 10 12 years ago no i was aware of him i went to film school in, in orlando florida and like there was a bunch of people who were like aware of him yeah and they were like you know and it was and it was like it was like it was he was like a like a personality like uh like carrot top but with truth yeah you know that's how people looked at him <laughs> okay. because because you'd, you'd you'd think that it was like this performance art but then it would be like but wait a second man he's not no he's he's not lying no he's really telling us something and if Speaking he's not podcasts and people you know who else i firmly believe is performance art and not who they really are russell brand andrew tate uh, no, I think he's legit. I think he, I think it's performance art. I think some of it is, but I think for the most part, if you watch old footage of him during his fights and stuff when he wasn't a personality, he talks the same fucking way. Yeah, man. yeah, but I think all the crazy over the topness is like all of He's it. not wrong. 90, I'm just you saying it's a bit. I didn't know who he was until he got canceled. And then I'm like, why did he get canceled? Because so I, I knew who he was. Jones got canceled. Boxing. Yeah. And the president got canceled. And I don't like silencing people. And it's like, yeah. how? What? what did he say so bad? They got him deplatformed. Well, listen, unless somebody's just coming out being a dick, if somebody got canceled, it's because they're saying something that the powers that be, the haves, don't want you to hear. I'm 100% convinced of that. And, and then you look at the people who, like, it's it's almost like, you know, when they say, like, four to five doctors recommend. I'm yeah. like, what's that one doctor? Why are why, they why apprehensive? He doesn't want to agree with everyone. He knows yeah. something. Yeah. Because yeah. who, who, it feels awkward to not go along with the herd. Mm-hmm. You know, you got it. Take and it takes balls to stand out there. But that's naked. the person you want to listen to and ask their opinion. Like, why yeah. don't you agree with this? Oh, because it'll kill you. <laughs> oh, okay. But the other one said it'll only yeah. give me this, this, and this, and this side effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that is a really good way to look at the world, honestly. Though, like, if four out of five recommend, I want to know what the one says, and then I want to go back to the other four. But like, why didn't you tell me about this? Mm-hmm. Why do you recommend it if it does this? Because mm-hmm gotta know do you do you so cost benefit analysis i i think it's so i think it's so healthy to be skeptical i think it's so at your soul i think it's so healthy to be skeptical i think pragmatism has gone somewhere that i don't know where it is i don't i don't understand you know the behaviors of some people besides like and people think i'm crazy for even having this idea where i'm like 500 years ago this would be called magic it would be a spell everyone's under a spell and 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 the people leading it would be considered merlin or you know what i mean like a witch doctor or or something like that and and i don't like the people human behavior really hasn't changed that much over thousands of years no there's nothing new under the sun. No. Yeah, there's like it's it's the Matrix, man. It's it's Battlestar Galactica. It's mm-hmm. happened before. It'll happen again. And and it's just so it, I've never been sadder over the last like two and a half years. But I've never I've also never felt more. My eyes are wide open. Mm-hmm. And that's a new thing for me. But you're not not you're not sad for yourself, though. You're sad for. No, I'm sad for other people. Exactly. And that's that's how it is. Like the more you know, it's just like wow. The average the average person is just a fucking zombie, or an NPC. Yeah. They're just they're just they're just some fucking character or in an autopilot in, in and, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more, and then and then we're gonna try something new. So first of all, <laughs> don't take this the wrong way, but this is gonna be our first episode in color. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna not gonna do it black and white anymore. I'm gonna do it in color. Really? Yeah. Are you feeling okay? Like, did something you know happen? I never noticed that. It's Everything, always black and white. On social media, 99.9% of the pictures he posts are all black and white. He yeah, loves I black know, and white. I noticed your Do you know why? Because no. I don't know how to color. <laughs> Damn. Like, I don't know how to, like, if you, like, I've never. I have a guy who knows how to do that. I take tons of photos, right? I've taken, I take them with actual like legit cameras and 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 but when it gets into the computer i'm like Try to color balance i, I don't know i don't know how to tone and i don't know how to color you so to teach you you don't know how to do it either yes, motherfucker no you don't so when you're posting to instagram you go to the first filter to the right oh my god he's so you lazy. set it at 50 percent. so lazy and that's what i do to every picture and it's perfect it's every perfect time. so but what i can do is i can i can deal with contrast so that's why like all my pictures are black and white because i'm like yeah. there's a consistency to them right and and to me 
Um, every photo I take should be very, very, I think, I think sometimes the more grayscale is, is what like 256 shades. And then when you get to colors, it's millions and billions. Yeah. I think it gets, I think it gets really, really, I want things to be just very like black and white, like very common sense. Like here's people at a bike race. Here's a band playing. Like here's deduce from it what you will. I don't want anything distracting you from it. But in essence, that's my bullshit answer to like, I don't know how to color photos. That's but why everything's black and white. Black and white just looks good, though. It does look it good. Does, it, it does. It does. Like, if you good. just get it right, man, it looks really... So when I when I got really interested in, like, film and photography and stuff, there was a guy named Ansel Adams. Have you ever heard of Ansel Adams? I love Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams, it, it was, like, early early 20th century, very early 20th yeah. century, maybe, like, the 30s, 40s. He would. He was a guy who would who would go out and he would do landscapes. Everything he did was landscapes, whether it was um, Yosemite or a desert or a mountain range or it was never people. Very rarely was it people. And what he would do, his whole thing was he would he would he would wait for the right moment. Like he paint, he he envisioned the picture in his head before he would go to where he was going, or maybe he would go there for a couple of days to be like, okay, I need the sun to be here. I need the at clouds to be like day, at yeah, this like, time of day. Yeah, yep. And then what he would do is he would take the photo and then he would spend days doing something called like dodging and burning and stuff, which is like when you take when you take a when you take a on film cameras, kids, you don't remember this on film cameras. It, it's it's a negative. Mm -hmm. So when you when you develop it, it's when you hold it up to the light, it's the inverse of what the colors and, and contrast and everything is. So white would be black. Red would be, uh, what's the, what's the, con what's the opposite of like red? I don't know my primary color. I yeah. Don't know. So, but that's what it would be. And people know what it looks like. So, but so to get it back to color, you have to take another picture. And that's those machines that shoot down the image on the develop on the developing paper, like whether it's eight and a half by 11 or whatever you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And then you hit the trigger and it comes down. But what you can do is you can, you can now manipulate that image. So dodging and burning is like, okay, I'm going to re-expose this on the paper, on the print, mm -hmm. but I'm going to block this. So like, let's say like the sky is, could potentially be overexposed. So you have like a little wand and as you're, as you hit the thing and it has to be on for like, let's say six seconds, nine seconds, whatever, but you start doing math in your head. It gets really crazy. So you start wiping it as you're going across. So you're not allowing it to have as much as development time to as light exposed yeah. to it. So his his photos. Can you pull up some Ansel Adams stuff? Look at that. Sorry, you got to turn around, Travis. We couldn't get the TV working. But that's what he would do. He would go through and he would. That's all dodging and burning. So like on the sides, right? So like see where the clouds are up top there? So on the sides, he would actually hold like a. It, you can make shapes. You can do whatever you want. You could slide. I didn't it. know any of that. Oh, yeah. And that's I how photography was really was, good at photograph no he would spend hours and days find the one of the tree to get in where to the, get the bright highlights perfect yeah, exposure nice see if you find yeah. the one of the trees. perfect one of exposure photos ever ansel adams tree yeah Dodging and burning. i can't remember exactly it's so funny it's watching dan multitask like he's he's doing yeah. the switcher he's looking shit up and then he's <laughs> ansel adams tree dan the man do any of those look right mecca i don't know i can't see dan pull it up have go to four is that it? No, it's not the one I'm thinking of, but there's a tree. It's like on a mountaintop. It's one of my favorite pictures ever. Go Super, back. It's so simple, but it's just unbelievably good. Do you like any of this stuff, Travis? I do. Do you like stuff like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why like it was black and white photography. You know what else is you know what else is really like gets me going? Uh architecture that's properly lit at night. Hmm. I, I, for some reason, I always liked the Wilkesbury Courthouse at night. I don't know why I've always liked it. I don't think I really paid attention to it. You never paid attention to it? Not at night, no. Oh, yeah, dude, like, like, you like everything looking like Batman. Well, the uplighting. It's, it's, a, it's a little gothic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. Well, I like, high, I like high contrast stuff like that. I like the inside things. of that building is gorgeous, though. It's really amazing, yeah. too. Do you ever go up like all the way up to the top where the mm, dome is? No. Dude, you get like real weird vertigo in there. Yeah, and it's just imagine. wide open, and the and the and the uh, the reverb in there is just really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you find that tree? Museum of Modern Art. Bunch yeah, of douchebags telling you what's right. No, dude, but that's an Instagram photo. <laughs> I don't. That's know. a photo I took. <laughs> that's a photo I took down at like in Pittston by the river. 
You're terrible, look at, Jamie. Look at all of these trees I need to look at. Well, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Making it big. Make it make that the whole screen. It's okay, Dan. You don't have to. Yeah, let's take a quick peek. Scroll. Oh, there it is. Which one? Uh, like bottom left now. That one. That's right. That's Dan. right. That one. Yeah, I think that's right, blow yeah, that up. That's it. It's just one of my favorite photographs ever. I think that's it. Dan does not know how to Google. Yeah, I don't. Do you know how all. computers work, Dan? Or like, I have no clue. What are you doing? I don't know. It looks great. That's the that's the picture. I don't you know like? why. I just love it. There's, play, there's 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 actually hiking trails around here that you could probably find something that looks like that and say, take that uh, photo. Does it say where you took that at? Uh, I think it's Yosemite. He's a lot. A lot of it was like Midwest. Like know. a lot of it would be like west of the Mississippi. So he would go like to the Rockies. He would go, um, you know, like Oregon, uh, the, the California. Like the dude was just and he was and he was alone. Most of it was alone. Yeah. He was, like he'd get cool his backpack guy. and it was just and it was and it was like a, it was like a big camera too. It was it was it was a, a large format camera. Okay. Yeah. So a large format camera is so they have they have everybody knows that like the clicky thing, that's a small format camera. They have medium format camera and then they have large format cameras. It was yeah, it was a big so he knew that like if he could blow it up, like all that detail would have been there. So mm-hmm. if he wants to make like a big print, he would have the latitude. So that you wouldn't get like close to it and be like, oh man, this is just blowing. Yeah, now it's out of yeah. focus. Well, it's not pixelated because at that time it wasn't pixelated. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, what were we talking about before that? That before we got distracted by Ansel Adams. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I think we've started eighteen different conversations that we haven't finished no. yet. Go Blacky Teppy. We were talking Black about how art is. Hold on. Oh, this is the first color episode. That's yes, right. This is the first color Mark, episode. Oh, Mark, you and- did a little racism. It's okay. It was a joke. <laughs> it was it was funny too. So. Yeah. So see, I said that. To is it racist my, if people laugh? No, it's not. Yeah. I said that to one of my friends who just so happens to be black. The other day, I was like, "Is he all just race, happens to be? Is all racism bad?" He was like, "No, I don't think so." I'm like, no, "Yeah, some of it's funny. Some of it's hilarious. Some of it's funny. And some of it's good." What's an example? What's an example of humorous racism? I love watching Karen videos. Yeah, those are the funniest. Shit. Wait, wait, wait! With them overreacting to yeah. people. Oh, dude. <laughs> But that's a mental illness, don't you think? I swear, I don't know what. I think like, what happened? What happened? Brass. What happened to suburban progressive white women? I don't know. What, do you notice something happened where it's like, what is like? Some of them have gone batshit crazy. Too many quaaludes, man. They should bring quaaludes back. They should. They should have never got rid of quaaludes. I don't want them, but the world was a better place when they were in full circulation. <sighs> the quaaludes were fucking phenomenal, from what I understand. Right. I know a guy. I know a guy who, like, a couple of years ago, he's like, "You're not gonna believe this." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "I was going through my grandmother's house. I found like a whole bottle of fucking quaaludes." What? And I'm like, "What are you doing?" And don't they lose power after a certain amount of time? They lose a little bit of power, but there's still fucking <laughs> quaaludes. <laughs> Did you see the Wolf of Wall Street? I watched parts of it. Okay, I watched parts. So I don't I, think I made it all the way through. I was I was apprehensive a, to watch it's a it. Long watch. Yeah. I was, but I've. I watched it and I'm like, this is the best comedy of whatever year that was. Yeah. It was just so batshit insane. And it was just the moment where they take the quaaludes. And I remember like growing like when like when you and I grew up, like people that we like comedians would be like Carlin, Dennis Leary, like those guys. And I remember Dennis Leary's comedy show where he was just like fucking ludes, man. <laughs> and he would talk about quaaludes. And I would tell my I would ask my drug buddies. I'm like, what is a quaalude? What and, is this shit? Yeah, what is it? And he's like, they would give it to women for postpartum. Was that does that seem right, Dan? I think so. That's yeah. what it was prescribed for originally. For postpartum? Yes, for postpartum depression. depression. Yeah. So like when we talk about like when we So like, it's an upper. No, no, it's like, it's like a lose a, your fucking mind. It's like, like a drink, a, a isn't mood, it? A yeah. mood stabilizer. Yeah. Oh. And it would just make it would just you would just be like and but you'd be everybody would walk around like crazy fucking zombies. It was almost like fucking it was almost like heroin. Like it was like Jeez. but it was legal. It was like, yeah. Oh, Susie's all whacked out. And she's like, Well, I'm a doctor told me I could have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my happy wow. pills. Which is like, which is like the the opioid epidemic. It's like all there was so many people who got they're caught being prescribed. up. Yeah, they're like, this is okay. My buddy's dad, like, huge fucking pillhead, mm-hmm. and he's in his whole thing is is like, well, the doctor told me to. Yeah, and it's like these guys, these guys are no different than the dudes on the corner slinging rock. Like the pharmaceutical companies and the doctors and and the hospital systems. I'm like, if you get rid, if you get rid of hospitals, yeah. right? Hospitals are just an avenue for people to dole out drugs, right? So whether you, whether whether you get whether they you do get, some good, 
Obviously. <clears throat> yeah, but what happens after that? You're there in an emergency, and immediately after that, you're getting a prescription before you leave. Well, that's why I don't mess with anything. You know, one is when so, I did my knee the first time, they gave me a bottomless prescription of Vicodin. And I was in college trying to play sports and, you know, I had a little bit of a scholarship. Yeah. Now you're masturbating so on I subway was, buses. <laughs> almost. Uh, so I was just popping them because I kept trying to work out and rehab and I was just popping them like candy. And then I woke up in the hospital one day, which yeah. is which is the, so the hospital thing. I because during this whole last two and a half years, because I'm going to say this now. Because it's on the fucking CDC website now. There were people in hospitals around here who would not prescribe ivermectin for people to, to, to defeat COVID. It is now one as of like two or three days ago. It's on the goddamn website mm-hmm. as something you can use Jeez. to treat fucking COVID. And I remember thinking, I'm like, it's, it's a medicine that won't kill you. It what do you call Joe Rogan a liar? No, horse paste. Yeah. 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 That was, that's what was pissing me off. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, who are these people that have the right that like pharmacists or hospitals or any of that shit to say you can't have that, which is, which is, which is because it's, it's organized crime. Out, you're taking money out their pocket. If you do it the easy way Bingo. like that, you need to take this new vaccine that we just made. Because the other ones didn't work. It. Yeah. The first four didn't work. So trust us. That the and the two one. boosters. See, and I think uh, and I think we're at the hour. Let's jump. Let's jump over to <laughs> see if people want to pay for this. I think it's time. Um, hey, uh, we're going to hop. We're going to we're going to hop out of this. Hey, hope you guys like this for right now. But if you want, you can subscribe. Uh, apparently subscribe on Spotify and shit. So uh, if you want to hear more of this, the second half is bottomless. Yes. Like like Vicodin. <laughs> Hey, have a great week. Talk to you soon.